Welcome to Canadian Defence Focus from CDR Radio, produced by Canadian Defence Review Magazine. This series of podcasts features interviews with leaders and experts in the defence industry, as well as reports and profiles on the very latest in defence technology. Hello and welcome to another edition of the CDR Radio Podcast. I'm James Carlos, Ottawa Bureau Chief with Canadian Defence Review, Canada's leading defence magazine. This time on the CDR Radio Podcast, we're speaking with the Honourable Anita Anand, Canada's Minister of National Defence, for CDR's annual review of the major issues affecting D&D in Canada's military. Minister Anand is reforming the Canadian Armed Forces culture in the wake of several serious sexually related issues. She also has to deal with major procurement projects and Canada's response to Russian aggression in Ukraine. Hi, Minister Anand. Thanks for joining us on the CDR Radio podcast. You've been tasked with changing the culture of the Canadian Armed Forces. Can you tell us what needs to be done and what steps you're taking to make it happen? The Canadian Armed Forces is a crucial element in our nation's fabric. Last year alone, We saw them deployed to help with long-term care homes, vaccine deployment, natural disaster response, and the Afghanistan evacuation. And my job as minister is to continue to build a modern and inclusive military in which all Canadians can have confidence so that this institution can continue to carry out its mission in the years to come. There is a crisis of culture and confidence in our Canadian Armed Forces, notwithstanding the excellent work that they have been doing through the pandemic and beyond. We are addressing these issues head on. This isn't just a woman's issue. I want to be clear, this crisis is hurting morale and recruitment in the armed forces. And for our military to be effective, our members must feel safe, protected and respected. What are we doing, therefore? Well, I've hit the ground running, discussing culture change with senior officials, consulting directly with survivors groups, including It's Not Just 700, meeting with external experts and stakeholders, and working to expand the Sexual Misconduct Response Centre, which includes building on restorative engagement programs, establishing other supports for the broader members of the defense team. We are also working on military justice modernization, implementing the Declaration of Victims' Rights in the military justice system, improving the selection process for generals and flag officers, and making sure that we are ready to receive Madame Arbour's final report and take quick action with it. I also announced in November that I accept in full the interim recommendation of Madame Arbour that sexual misconduct charges be transferred from the military justice system to the civilian system for investigation and prosecution. This is one first step in our efforts to reform the Canadian Armed Forces and rebuild trust with members. Now, there are a number of major procurements in the works for D&D, but none more important than the Future Fighter Capability Project. Can you please tell us what the government is looking for in a fighter jet to replace the CF-18? And as a corollary to that, are you able to enlighten us on the reasons behind Boeing's Super Hornet being dropped from consideration? 
Well, James, we have many important procurements that are occurring at this time. On the topic of the fighter jets, our government has been clear. A modern fighter jet fleet is essential to defending Canada, and that's why we are acquiring 88 fighter jets to replace our CF-18 fleet through an open and transparent competition. I am convinced that this investment is necessary not only for our Air Force, but for the protection of our airspace, protecting the North with our partners and our commitment to our allies. Our security is not negotiable. This project is the most significant investment in the recent history of the Royal Canadian Air Force and will help Canada fulfill its NORAD and NATO commitments. Uh, Canada did receive proposals from three of five eligible suppliers in July 2020. Proposals were rigorously assessed on elements of capability, cost and economic benefits. Recently, a key milestone was reached in the independent process that was led by Public Services and Procurement Canada. It concluded a phase that included that we will be moving forward with two of the three suppliers. This competition, all in all, will ensure that we get the right aircraft at the right price. And that is a process that is ongoing at the current time, overseen by an independent fairness monitor. And we continue to work toward a contract in 2022 with delivery of the first aircraft as early as 2025. Now, with all the cost overruns on the Canadian surface combatant ships, are you looking at doing a reset on that program? Our government is committed to ensuring that the members of the Royal Canadian Navy have the equipment they need to protect Canadians. That's why we are investing in 15 Canadian service combatants, and we will be continuing with this procurement. This project will help revitalize the Canadian shipbuilding industry while also creating and sustaining tens of thousands of jobs and supporting over 4,000 Canadian suppliers. This is one of the largest, most complex procurements undertaken by the government of Canada. And again, the CSC design was selected through an open, fair and transparent competitive procurement process. We are committed to ensuring that the major defense procurement projects will provide the best value to Canadian taxpayers. And this includes the CSC procurements. But that being the case, there has been a lot of uh, documentation done that the current projects, as it now stands, may outstrip DND's budget capabilities. So uh, there had been talk of doing the first three ships and then resetting it. What do you think you're going to do given this? Am I correct in saying it's full steam ahead with the original procurement? We are continuing with the original procurement, which is based on, as I said, an independent process that was run by Public Services and Procurement Canada. Let's be clear that project costs evolve throughout the duration of a project, especially for a first-of-class ship. Like all large-scale procurement projects, the project costs will remain under close review. We will continue to work with our partners to actively manage the cost over the duration of the project to ensure best value for taxpayers.
CDR recently published comments from senior and retired naval officers. They suggested that the time is right, even overdue, for Canada to consider acquiring a new generation of submarines to replace the Victoria class. Other countries such as Australia already have such programs in place. What are the Canadian government's plans in this area? Well, thanks for this question, James. Starting out, let's be clear that submarines are one of Canada's most uh, valuable strategic assets for conducting surveillance of Canadian and international waters, including the near Arctic. Our current fleet will be able to operate into the 2030s because of the Victoria class modernization project. We are at this time also exploring options for a potential replacement class of submarines to avoid any gap in our critical submarine capability. In November, I went to see the submarines in Halifax. And following on this visit, I continue to work closely with my colleagues in terms of options to replace the Victoria class submarines while ensuring that we create jobs for Canadians. Now, Australia, of course, has gone for a nuclear submarine option. Is this something we would consider in Canada or not? That is the topic of our discussions at the current time. As I said, we are working on options to consider, and I will be open and transparent during the entire process on a potential replacement of the Victoria-class submarines. And when last we checked, Canada's defense spending was around 1.3% of GDP. This puts us at the bottom of all NATO nations. Is Canada ready to look at bumping this number up to the 2% range as requested by the U.S. and some of our other allies? We have had in place since 2017 our comprehensive defense policy, Strong, Secure, Engaged. This remains the roadmap for defense investment. It is fully costed and fully funded. What this means is that our military can count on sustained and reliable investments that meet the demands of evolving security challenges. Rather than cutting back on defense spending, our government has pledged to grow our defense investment by more than 70% between 2016 and 2027. And as minister, I can say that we will not waver in this commitment. Our national interest demands no less. Despite the global pandemic, for example, we are still on track to increase our defense spending from $18.9 billion dollars in 2016-17 to 32.7 billion dollars in 2026-27. And despite supply chain issues and other industry challenges that we've experienced across the economy including with regards to defense, over 90% of our major capital equipment projects are on schedule and on budget. We live in times that require Canada to step up, and we are doing just that. Our government's commitment to the armed forces is ironclad, and we will continue to invest in this institution in close cooperation with our allies. This is a main priority for me as minister. Uh, Speaking of stepping up, Russia's aggression towards Ukraine is a major concern right now. Many defense analysts say this could be the prelude to something much larger in Europe. Does Canada have any plans to increase the scope of Operation Unifier in light of this? 
It's a good question and certainly timely. Let me take you back to December. General Air and I spoke with Ukraine's Defense Minister Reznikov and Lieutenant General Zaluzhny, who is Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces of Ukraine. And on November 19th, I spoke with Ukrainian delegation at the Halifax International Security Forum. In each of these meetings, I emphasize Canada's steadfast support for Ukraine, and the rules-based international order. And the bottom line is that we will continue to remain steadfast in our support of Ukraine, especially in the face of unwarranted Russian aggression. In Ukraine, Canada has been present since 2015 under Operation Unifier, training thousands of members of Ukraine's security forces to help this country remain sovereign, secure, and stable. In addition, Canada is leading the multinational enhanced forward presence battle group in Latvia and participating in the NATO enhanced air policing mission in Romania. And Canada also recently handed over command of the NATO standing maritime group one to our Dutch allies. So whether it's land, air or sea, we are very active in the region and we are consistently supporting NATO operations to deter against any aggressive actions in the region. We share a close defense relationship with Ukraine and we are committed to supporting Ukraine as it takes necessary steps to secure itself as a stable, democratic and prosperous country. What can D&D do to better ensure that the men and women who serve in Canada's military are well looked after? Well, thanks for that question, James. I think it is very important and valuable to hear from our members directly. And that's why in my first few months as minister, I've already visited CFB Borden, 12 Wing Shearwater, CFB Halifax, and CFB Edmonton, with many more base visits to follow in the near future. So far, on all of these base visits, I have held town hall meetings with our members to hear their concerns. And when I have meals with our troops on bases, I go around the table and ask them to provide me with their concerns and suggestions. I have heard concerns about mental health supports, family supports, and housing supports. And I am working hard with the Chief of Defence Staff to address these concerns. In Edmonton as well, I visited the Military Family Resource Centre, a really important resource for our military families, whom we must remember also sacrifice a great deal for Canadians. As I have consistently stated since my appointment, my top priority is building a military culture where all members feel safe, protected, and respected. And this involves obviously addressing the crisis of sexual misconduct in the forces, but it also involves ensuring that our institution values diversity, inclusion, and can attract talent from all segments of our society. During my base visits, I have heard an openness to culture change because members know that these cultural shortcomings have hurt morale and have hurt recruitment in the Canadian Armed Forces. For our military to be effective, our members have to feel safe and protected and respected, and we will continue working hard to bring about real cultural change in this institution. Given that, where do you hope to be in terms of achieving these goals at D&D this time next year? 
As I've mentioned, uh, my top priority is building a military culture where all members feel safe, protected, and respected. Change is underway. At all levels, people are working hard to create a more positive work environment that eliminates harmful and regressive aspects of our institutional culture. In addition to cultural change in the military, I am working very hard to ensure that we have strong alliances with our NATO and NORAD partnerships. And in particular, NORAD modernization is top of mind for me, as well as the NATO alliance and support for Ukraine at the current time. And finally, we need to ensure that our military is strong and well-equipped. Coming from PSPC, I have expertise in procurement. I have a Deputy Minister, Bill Matthews, who is also at PSPC with me, and we have our eye on procurements for our military as well. And some of those procurements I've discussed uh, already with you this morning. Okay. Well, thank you, Minister, for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much, James. You've been listening to the latest in the CDR Radio podcast series. They are produced by Canadian Defence Review, Canada's leading defence magazine. I've been speaking with the Honourable Anita Anand, Canada's Minister for National Defence. To hear more CDR Radio podcasts, go to CanadianDefenseReview.com or find us on iTunes and Google Play under CDR Radio. I'm James Careless. Thank you for listening to the CDR Radio podcast. Talk to you again next time. Tune in next time for another Canadian Defence Focus podcast from CDR Radio.